0: Well, this past week, we celebrated one of my favorite holidays, Thanksgiving, a day marked by family and feasting. Thanksgiving is set aside to remember what we have received. And I love Thanksgiving. Typically, the the day kicks off with a friendly game of football, referred to as the Turkey Bowl. In the afternoon, my family enjoys BLT soup a Taylor family recipe. And then we enjoy our feast with our family. And after that, we fall asleep on the couch watching the Cowboys lose again on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Sorry, Bob. (laughs) And and then the next day, of course, is is followed by Black Friday, a, a day characterized by wanting to get what we don't have. This is another tradition I really enjoy, getting up early in order to hunt for deals and and buy things I probably don't need. And the fact that these two holidays are sandwiched right next to each other only exacerbates the chasm between them. One day focused on gratitude, the next on discontentment. In many ways, we're gonna see a similar paradox in today's passage. Today we're going to continue our journey in the Gospel of Matthew by looking at Matthew chapter 15. You can turn there if you'd like. And we're going to see two radically different responses to King Jesus. The first one marked by hypocrisy and criticism. The next marked by humility and awe. Throughout these interactions, we will see the need to worship God from a humble heart that wholly loves and depends on Him. That's our main idea. Worship God from a humble heart that wholly loves and depends on Him. As you're finding your way to Matthew 15, let me set the stage for why this passage matters. For months, we as a church have been making our way through this gospel, and many messages have highlighted the importance of responding to Jesus in faith Humility, submission, awe. Today's message is in, in many ways no different. However, our text today also serves as a sort of x ray on our souls. It forces us to answer the question what kind of faith do you have? Is your faith in Jesus genuinely from the heart and evidenced by le- legitimate change in your life? Or is your faith merely a cultural conformity, an attempt to fit in with those around you, all the while sensing an uncomfortable disconnect between your heart and your actions? Today's text is going to illustrate both of these types of people and demonstrate for us the importance of having radically dependent faith on King Jesus. Let's begin by looking at the first half of the passage, Matthew 15, 1 through 20, where we see God-honoring worship comes from internal heart change, not external morality. God-honoring worship comes from internal heart change, not external morality. As we enter into this passage, we'll see a, a significant aspect of the drama throughout the story are the various people groups involved. It begins in verse 1 with the religious leaders from Jerusalem What you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his Father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. This passage begins with the religious leaders approaching with a question about Jesus' disciples. They ask, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Now, notice the posture behind the question. Are the scribes and Pharisees really seeking information or guidance from Jesus? Of course not. They're they're seeking to trap Him. As we're moving through the gospel, we're seeing opposition against Jesus is increasing. The, The temperature is turning up. And they're accusing His followers of disobedience. And Jesus responds, not with an answer, but by asking an even more pressing question. Why do you... Break God's commandments for your tradition. Now, the beauty of this response is twofold. First, Jesus turns the tables on the religious leaders by redirecting the focus back on them. They wanted to accuse others, yet they themselves were guilty of breaking the law. They wanted to take the speck out of their brother's eyes, yet were unwilling to deal with the log in their own. And notice also the different levels of authority these sides appeal to. The religious leaders point to the authority of tradition, but Jesus points to the authority of the law. In fact, this, this reveals another amazing part of Jesus' response. See, what's the, what's the deeper motivation for questioning him? Why come after Jesus? It's clear the religious leaders didn't care how the disciples lived. Rather, they were threatened by Jesus. They felt threatened. They feared losing their power over the people because of who Jesus was who Jesus was, and the crowd he was drawing. And so Jesus, seeing right through these fears, says, look with me at verse 7, "'You hypocrites! "'Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you "'when he said, "'This people honors me with their lips.'" but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, we see here Jesus, quoting Isaiah 29, confronts these people by identifying the issue with their hearts. He calls them hypocrites. Now, it's it's worth stating here The the kinds of hypocrisy hypocrisy we see. When When we think of hypocrisy, we often think of someone who says one thing, yet does another. It's not necessarily the hypocrisy we see in this text. The type of hypocrisy Jesus is identifying here is a person who is masking their underlying motives. These are people who are religiously performing yet their hearts are not in it. They might be able to talk theology all day long and yet they can't do something as simple as keeping the Ten Commandments. And so what's the result of this? Jesus says in verse 9, in vain do they worship me. They are wasting their breath, they are wasting their lives because they do not have a heart that honors God what are we to make of this? I grew up in a a very musical family. All of us play instruments. All of us have been involved in musical theater at some point or another. And truthfully, I'm personally not a very good singer. I can carry a tune. I can sing in a choir, but I never played any lead roles because I just couldn't sing that well. However, I did have a few friends who were incredibly gifted singers, and some of them even went on uh, to study theater in college. Now imagine if you were involved in theater, and you wanted to get better at singing, maybe land the next big role at your school's production. What would you do? Well, you might find yourself taking lessons from a vocal instructor. I had a number of friends who did that, took voice lessons, and some of them improved tremendously. But what would you do if... You showed up to voice lessons, and the very first day, you hear your instructor sing, and he's completely tone deaf. He can't do something as simple as sing the happy birthday song without making you cringe. He would be literally wasting his breath. You probably would not go back to that teacher. You'd probably want your money back, and you'd be right to do so, because he was in no position to teach and, and this is the critique of the religious leaders. This is the warning to all of us. Their teaching was in vain because they did not love God. Now, keep in mind, they thought they were right. They thought they were right. This is something that's so easy to forget when we critique the Pharisees. We sit here and go, what were they thinking of? They're the villains of this story, And yet at that time, that would have been scandalous to think. These are the religious leaders. Yet they're hypocrites, frauds. These were the the top dogs, the rulers of God's people. And yet we see they are the ones in the wrong. They are the ones far from God. So, So what about us? Do we teach without any meaningful transformation in our own hearts do we talk theology or or get caught up in the latest controversies across evangelicalism without any concern for hidden habitual sin in our lives let us consider our own lives and see if Isaiah is speaking to us to my fellow elders to ABF teachers to small group leaders to kidsmen and student men volunteers, to anyone else in a teaching or discipling role in our church, let us not be a people who honors God with our lips and yet our hearts are far from Him. Let us not instruct others without having first learned ourselves. If not, our worship is in vain and we will lead others to destruction not to the Savior. So how can we guard against this? Well, First, we must evaluate what comes out of your heart. Jesus said in verse 11, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Now this statement turns the entire purification system on its head, See, up until this point, the belief was, I need to do something external, like hand washing, in order to cleanse myself before God. And Jesus is saying, your heart must first be transformed before you can come before God. And of course, this is impossible for us to do in our own strength. We need God to work in our lives if we're ever to work for him. So if we evaluate our hearts and we see, as he says in this passage, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, or other forms of sin, if you see those things within you, cry out to God and ask for Him to change your heart. Another thing we see here is we must trust in God when frustrated by the hypocrisy of others. Trusting God when frustrated by the hypocrisy in others. Look at how Jesus instructs his disciples. Look at verse 12. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Jesus says, let them alone. Let them alone? How can I just let them alone? Someone needs to call them out. Someone needs to make sure everyone else knows they're false teachers. Yet Jesus says, let them alone. Why? Verse 13, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Jesus told his disciples to trust in God's sovereignty, trust in God's final judgment to take care of these religious leaders. Don't get caught up in the arguments and controversies. Focus on what comes out of your own heart. Ask God to change you. As someone who's Young into ministry, I need to hear this message. We need to hear this message. It is so easy to get caught up in arguments over theology, all the while failing to personally obey God in areas as simple as the Ten Commandments. Let us, Grace, let us be a people who are more passionate about personal holiness Than about prophesying against false teachers in our day. Not that there isn't a place for warning against bad doctrine. We need to do this. But we must first be a people who bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In reality, I believe the most significant threat facing our church, Grace Baptist Church today, is not false teaching. But living in a manner that does not align with sound teaching. Hypocrisy. It is so easy, especially in our setting here in Cedarville, to be people who honor God with our lips, yet our hearts are far from him. Let us instead be people who humble ourselves before our great God and ask him to change us. And this is exactly what we see modeled in the back half of our passage. Here in verses 21 through 39, we see God honoring worship is marked by humble dependence on him. Look at verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Here we see Jesus approached again, but this time by a Canaanite woman And notice immediately how different this interaction is. One crowd approaches Jesus with an accusation. Another approaches out of desperation. One approaches Jesus questioning his authority. One approaches Jesus appealing to his authority. Look at how she addresses him. She she addresses him as Lord and the son of David, the messianic king. How does Jesus respond? Well, he doesn't. He just keeps moving. Look at verse 23. But he did not answer her a word. And the scene gets so bad, it says, And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus was on a mission to save his people from their sins. We saw this in Matthew one twenty-three. The Messiah was from Israel. He was sent to Israel for the purpose of shepherding God's people. But the woman persists. Look at verse 25. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, most of us, myself included, would have turned back at this point. We would have been quite discouraged, perhaps even pretty offended at what Jesus said. But how does the woman respond? Look at verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This is an astounding response. She doesn't Refute the metaphor, she actually leaps into the metaphor and humbles herself before Jesus. She, she bows before the Messiah and, and in desperation asks him to work. She honored God when others sought to criticize and critique. And as a result, Jesus says in verse 28, O woman, great is your faith. She had what the religious leaders did not, faith in the Messiah. So Jesus says, be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed. Not only that, but if you keep reading in verses 29 through 31, Jesus went and healed many more people. And these people, if you look at verse 31, it says, they glorified the God of Israel. Now we can see here the irony of this passage The ones who should have recognized the authority of Jesus and submitted to him in worship were the ones who questioned his authority and accused his disciples of disobedience. The religious religious leaders, the hypocrites, people who teach and preach yet were dead inside whitewashed tombs. And then you have this Canaanite woman and the people along the Sea of Galilee. They were not of the house of Israel. Yet they honored their Father in heaven and they worshiped his Son. They recognized and even appealed to his authority to cast out demons, to heal the crippled, to give sight to the blind. In fact, not only did they receive a few crumbs from the table, but Jesus would actually feed thousands with only a few loaves and a few fish. And as a result, these people, the outcasts, The rejects, the outsiders, the ones far from God, these are the ones who truly worshipped, who had lives and hearts transformed by King Jesus. They humbled themselves and they recognized their dependence on him. These two groups of people serve as a litmus test for us, Grace. Which one do you identify with? This reminds me, of when I was a a camp counselor at Scioto Hills. At at camp, there's a a swing called the the Goliath. And uh, riding it is one of the highlights of summer camp. And to ride it, you have to be strapped into a full body harness that is so difficult to put on, you actually need the help of a, a staff member. Then you hobble on over to this ladder and climb the ladder and get hooked in by another staff member. And then you get pulled up to the top of this telephone pole by a team of people belaying you to the top. And once you get there, there's this cord you can pull. It releases you out. You swing over the water and back to safety. And you get off unhooked again by a staff member. Another staff member helps you take that harness off. And it was always a little com- a comedic to me when a, a kid would get off that swing and turn and say, I conquered the Goliath. Really? Because it seemed like it took a small army to get you up there and get you off. And yet they didn't recognize how dependent they were on others. And and then there were other campers who just said, thanks, thank you. Grateful for the experience. No, they, they didn't do anything to deserve this. And in this we see the difference between the religious leaders and the Canaanite woman. The religious leaders failed to depend on God instead lived in hypocrisy. They judged others, but in reality, were blind guides destined for destruction. However, in the back half of our passage, we see people who, in humility, recognized their dependence on God and demonstrated extraordinary faith in the Messiah. They did not think highly of themselves. They did not exalt themselves. Rather, they simply saw the glory of Christ and asked for mercy. So, if you had to evaluate your own life, which group more closely resembles you? Do you find yourself quick to judge others and criticize, either publicly or behind closed doors? Or do you see your need for a Savior and cry out to Him for help? Let us be people who humble ourselves before God. Resist the temptation to elevate yourself above others. Recognize you're in desperate need for mercy from the Lord. And rejoice knowing Christ is merciful. He really is able to transform us. And if we respond this way, we will be people who submit to his authority and rejoice in his reign we will be people who worship god from a humble heart that wholly loves and depends on him today we've had the opportunity to hear the testimony of many people in our church who have already cried out to the lord for mercy people who've been transformed from the inside out but if you're here today and you see a disconnect between what you say and what you do. You see the, the approval of others, you're attempting to blend in with the religious crowd you find yourself in. Consider this passage. See the desperation that marks genuine faith in the Messiah. Confess areas of sin in your hearts, perhaps hidden habitual sins, and ask Jesus for mercy Let us not be a people who honors God with our mouth and yet despise Him in our hearts. Let us repent and ask God to change our hearts so that we can embody the kind of faith this Canaanite woman has, a faith that wholly and humbly depends on our merciful Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would help us to see the areas in our lives in which we are acting in a hip- hypocritical way. Lord, would You work in us so that we would have a genuine, dependent faith on Your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that You would guard us against the temptation to simply conform with our surroundings. But rather, let us be a people who out of a genuine change of our hearts worship you in humility and awe. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.